Hey friends, welcome to our digital space. On This Girl Life, we're trying to figure life out. And there's no better way to do that than with your best friend by your side. So join us each week as we bring on experts to help us navigate This Girl Life. All right, here are your hosts, Whitney and Kristen. <laughs> Let's do it. That should be our intro, Kristen. Let's do it. Let's do it. I've been really practicing my different voices to entertain Quinny. So, you know. Welcome back. Why don't you intro doing a voice for us right now? (laughs) Now I'm embarrassed. Welcome back to TGL. (laughs) Is it episode 50? Oh my gosh. This is huge, guys. This is huge. We didn't even know. That's how, like, guys, we were just talking. We don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. It it could be... You know, Saturday, it's really Sunday. What's it happening? Could be you never know. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. It is episode 50. We, no, it's episode 49. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, guys, we got pumped yeah. up for nothing. See, that's what I mean. This whole, like, we're just all over the place. Welcome back. We hope you guys are having a great week. Most of us are in week two of quarantine. I hope you're, like, finding your groove, finding your, you know, how you function day to day. Yeah. We and are. Um, even though it's not episode 50, I have some big news. Woo-hoo! Are we just coming right out of the gate? I thought maybe, I mean, because we kind of like got on a high from the 50 scenario. So I thought maybe <laughs> let's keep that high rolling. Let's, let's keep going. Okay. This is when I wish I could do the, you know, well, that we like... don't need the noises, <laughs> <laughs> but I need, we need, it's like, do you, oh, you want me to do a sound clip? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. I'll throw something in. Like um, a big one. A, okay, a huge one. It's grande. Um, guys, I, it has not been announced, but I'm here to tell you that I'm pregnant. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't even do it. But yeah, I am. I'm 10 weeks pregnant. I'm pretty early, and I wasn't sure if I was going to announce it, but I thought, this is a really weird time in the world and so for me might as well just enjoy it let the cat out of the bag and yeah I'm celebrating joys we're celebrating joys today and it was a total surprise you guys total surprise I like randomly had to pee like a stick and I was like hey I'm gonna pee on a stick for fun and I was pregnant and I will share the video on TGL I my husband when I announced it he was so like just like (laughs) flat it was the saddest thing ever because he was like anyways yeah it was a weird the whole thing has just been weird i know but the best part is that we are all pregnant together oh yeah i'm pregnant with kristen cody Allie's not pregnant but three out of the four were pregnant Yeah, it's so awesome. I feel like this is stuff we've dreamed about since we were, like, freshmen in high school. We have a pinnable image on Pinterest of best friends holding a sign in a field pregnant. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, we pinned it way back in the day, and we were like, we're going to do this one day. Oh, my gosh, and now we can. (laughs) See, that's what I mean. This is – we're celebrating joys, and I think that's the best part about this is, like – It's it's a shit time, but it's – this is, like, really – Joyous, yeah. obviously, because yeah. I was infertile, y'all. So, <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm so happy. This is yeah. so good. Now we can finally talk about it. Ugh, Cat's out of the bag. Cat is out of the bag. So, 
Yeah, I feel like I've been MIA on Instagram because it's just like weird. You just feel weird and yeah. yeah. How are you um, feeling? Well, let's get into yay and nay with Wit and K. And we'll talk it's about it. Yay and nay with Wit and K. Oh, okay. shit. So let's start with nays then. Because <laughs> that's how you're feeling. Because I'm feeling very nayish right now. <laughs> We're excited about the pregnancy, but physically feeling the nay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pregnancy sucks. Being a mom is amazing and like it's the best thing but for me you guys i i wish i could record how i throw up because it is so loud it scares my child i'm so glad you are not recording how you throw up <laughs> like my husband is so sweet you guys i'm i'm sick all the time like even with medication and what he'll do is he'll be like so i'll run in right you're like Ugh, and i can't shut the door all the way He'll so lovingly bring a cup of water and be like, I'm just going to give you some privacy. Here's your water. Oh. <laughs> he just like, but he shuts the door because no one wants to hear me barfing. Yeah. But it's Husbands been rough. don't get enough credit dealing with their wives throughout pregnancy. Well, this is Kale's first time because he was gone last time. He was deployed and gone. Right. Yeah. That's right. So I'm like, let's see how you do, champ. <laughs> so that's oh my name. Oh, my gosh. That's a nay. Okay, yeah. my nay is also pregnancy related. So I am 24 weeks and my Braxton Hicks have hit. Seriously. Thursday, Quinny and I went for a drive because that's how we get out of the house. <laughs> and they were so bad I had to pull over. Like, oh my God. Which makes me think I didn't have them with Quinn. They're like contractions. Like mm. they come really heavy waves and they last for 30 seconds and I can feel them. So when I had labor, I could feel it in my butt back area mm -hmm. holy moly like had to pull the car over lasted for like 25 minutes and like kind of wears me out like labor did like wow. I came home and I made Adam come up from work so I could like take a 30 minute nap because it yeah. like kicked my ass yeah you need to put your feet up girl so yeah, I had so that hit and it's funny my app literally told me that they would start right about now and it was like the next day wow. I got it so yeah so that's my name Pregnancy is hard. Kristen, you guys, Kristen is getting up there. She's getting up there. <laughs> Soon to be. I'm excited. But let's get into yays then. Yays. yays. I have a yay and it might be your yay. Okay, go. <laughs> might be my yay. Tiger King. Oh, my God. Guys, quarantine, another good thing that's come from quarantine <laughs> is Tiger King. If you have not watched it on Netflix, which I guarantee most people have, you it's need to. It's number one trending in the U.S. It's like yeah. insane. I, I mean, who would have thought a guy from Oklahoma. A would... gay polygamist <laughs> zookeeper from Oklahoma with a blonde dyed mullet would be entertaining us through a quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, through a worldwide pandemic, <laughs> it's honestly though. So it's so good, but it's so disturbing because I so have like disturbing. such a place for animals in my heart. And I Same. just can't believe that people do this. Like I'm just blown away. So I'm totally disturbed by it all, but it has been. There's no real animal torture. Cause I had to ask that question before yeah. we started because I was very, I cannot see that or else oh, I God, no, there's no like tortured there's no none of that there oh are God. animals in captivity because it's a it's, but it's like a zoo more than yeah. like bad well, but then there's a murder 
Yes. Then there's a hitman. Yep. There's polygamous marriages. Yeah, suicide. There's a run presidency. <laughs> Guys, there's so like, much that happens. We literally can't make this shit up. It's oh. so... It's so good. You just need to watch it, and then you'll appreciate everything we're saying if you haven't. But I guarantee most of you have, and you're appreciating all of this. But And for- it's only seven episodes, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So it's not going to take you, like, a year to watch. True. Yeah. All right. So what's your yay? My yay is also quarantine Netflix-related. Okay. Ozark got dropped last Friday, which is oh. one of my top favorite shows ever. It's on its third season. And we're in the middle of binge watching it, and it's so freaking good. I can't even handle it. So good. Ozark. It's another show you got to watch. Isn't that a little intense? It is. Okay. I will warn you. But I'm very sensitive to things. So if you can deal with, like, people getting shot, you can deal with this. <laughs> There's no, like, sexual violence. Yeah. Okay. There's no animal violence. There's no, like – They're just – it's shoot them up a little bit. Yes. Yeah. It's dark. It's about drugs and things like that. But it's, like – Oh, it's so freaking good. It yeah. is like so freaking good. So none of these are for kids. No. Come on. Neither of these shows. No, no, no. No Put the way. children to bed, pour a glass of wine and watch this with your husband. Or if you're like us, pour a glass of LaCroix and watch this right. with your husband. Ugh, want wanted that. Let's just talk that about should that. should have been our nay. <laughs> That's the nay. Not drinking in quarantine. All of you ladies, I don't want to hear about it because how bad it is. You get to pour yourself a cocktail at like three in the afternoon. Yeah, because happy hour has to start at least two hours earlier in quarantine than it does normal time. With homeschool? Yeah. (sighs) I mean, I don't want to hear about it. Some of these things where people are like bitching online, I'm just like, you try being pregnant and quarantined. It is a whole nother level. I will say that. And with a kid. With a kid. Like imagine if you were quarantined and you didn't have children. What are you doing? How many shows are you watching? How many (sighs) naps are you taking? (laughs) That would be amazing. Cody. Cody's living. She's living the life. But she's pregnant. Well, yeah, that's true. So I would say pregnant, okay. no kids. You're living the dream no. in quarantine. <laughs> I'm a poet. I yeah. didn't even know it, Whitney. Oh, guys. Yeah. All right. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I feel like I could just have a conversation with you all the time because all I do is have a conversation with my kid right now. Anywho, we today have on a guest who was a big hit. We had him on a couple episodes ago. Justin Janoska talked about PCOS last time. So if you mm-hmm. haven't listened to that episode, I believe it was episode it's episode 45, 45, 45. Okay. So oh. go listen to that, but we have one today talking all about thyroid. Thyroid, 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 thyroid. Um because it's so important. It's something that is we talk about um some stats that we found in the episode, but guys, over 27 million Americans, this stat I found, have thyroid disease. So Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. I don't know. 27 million. So it's something we wanted to talk about, really shed some light on. Um, selfishly, I have Hashimoto, so I was like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Anyways, anything else you want to add about Justin? The thing I love about Justin is I know it's a little daunting when we talk about like heavy medical topics, but he is not daunting. He breaks it down. He makes it super easy to hear, consume, figure out if it's you. And he's just a joy to listen to. So enjoy, Justin. Enjoy our conversation on Hashimoto and your thyroid. All 
Okay, guys, we're really happy to have Justin Janoska back on. We're talking thyroid today. We're thinking all about thyroid because it's something that um, I've talked about a little bit, but we think it's not talked about enough. So today on TGL, we're jumping in. So Justin, welcome back. Hi, nice to see you ladies. Thank you for having me again. Of course. We are so excited to have you. You were such a hit with PCOS, and I can't wait for everyone to find out more about thyroid, especially me, because I don't know mm. anything about it. So this is going to be so good. But Whitney told me a stat, and I'm going to read it. Okay. So she told me, and I don't know where you got this with, so let me know. But I'll, 20... link, I'll link it all in our information, like all the resources. Okay. Yeah. So 27 million Americans have thyroid disease. One in five women have low thyroid condition. And the number one cause of low thyroid is the autoimmune condition Hashimoto. So that just seems crazy to me. Like that's a huge number. So that number makes me think like we need to start talking about this more. So I would love for you to really break down hyperthyroidism and like what it is. Yeah. So hypothyroidism is simply the idea that you have low thyroid hormones coming out of the thyroid. And it's non-autoimmune, right? And so that can happen for a lot of people, and it does, especially in people who chronically diet or are really stressed out. Uh, stress is usually the biggest reason for why that happens. But then you can have other weird issues where maybe you're dealing with like nutrient deficiencies and lacking selenium or iodine and whatnot, you know, certain nutrients that are required for conversions, um, which is not really the typical situation. 90% of hypothyroidism is indeed Hashimoto's. So it's autoimmune uh, by nature, right? So that's a different beast than it is uh, compared to hypothyroidism, which is, you know, you can easily reverse that. So now give us the breakdown, like give us that general of a description of Hashimoto's. Since you just kind of gave us what hyperthyroidism, give us yeah. the easy version of Hashimoto's quick, and then we'll break it down more. Yeah, it's just your own it's your own immune system that is attacking your own tissue, your thyroid. That's it. It's get, got confused. Uh, there's a number of reasons that's why that is, but it is yeah, it's a genetic susceptibility to that. Uh, but that, that only counts for maybe like ten to thirty percent of people's disease or any autoimmune disease that matter. So it is a lifestyle driven problem. It's not genetic. There it um, is again, lifestyle so, driven. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I just love how you break it down so easy because I've known Whitney has had it for a while. And to be very honest, I didn't know what it was. So I appreciate your yeah, just like for, laying it out straightforward. It's really great. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> 14 million, I think, have it, have Hashimoto's. And it's predominantly women because of hormones, estrogen, you know, uh, different reasons for that. And um, yeah, so I think, I think like, yeah, 90% of people with hypothyroidism have Hashimoto's. So, so wow. Let's- talk about the symptoms of Hashimoto's in particular because I find it interesting you know obviously I had no idea when I found out I had Hashimoto's I had no idea I literally told the doctor when he told me I was like shut up it was literally (laughs) like no way um and the only symptom I had was like severe anxiety and went in and he was like well we're gonna run a thyroid panel um, just to check. So let's talk about some symptoms and maybe some uncommon symptoms um, of Hashimoto's. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say is that you can have objective measurements of, uh, of you know, 
of like dry skin and uh, infertility, missed periods and low heart rate, then you know, th those are signs of, of hypothyroidism, right? Um, which you can measure. And that's important, like uh, thinning hair, like in the eyebrows in that area as well. But the symptoms are what most people speak of when they say they have Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And that's, you know, subjective, but it, it is typically the pattern as we, we all see, and, and you maybe have gone through, through this yourself. You have fatigue, brain fog, forgetfulness, um, maybe joint pain, vertigo, depression, uh, brain fog, did I say that right? So cold hands and feet, yeah. Yeah, literally though, like, here's the thing is what's crazy, is when I think back over my time as like a teenager into my 20s, all those things, I was like, check, 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 and it's, you know, I feel like we kind of just, you know, like joint pain. Okay, well, it's stress or I'm working out too hard or it's almost like we f we find all these things and we almost blame it. And we never go directly to the thyroid for some reason. At least that was my experience. No one ever checked mine until after I had had my child. Mm -hmm. So again, yeah. I, I don't know why. I think I, that's why I want to raise attention because I was just so... You know, no one ever, no one ever told me, "Hey, girl, let's look at your thyroid," because it could be the underlying issue of a lot of your problems. Yeah, and that's the first step, right? And then the second step after that is doing a thorough investigation assessment with the competent physician, <laughs> or doing your own, or doing your own homework and figuring it out your own, because people get misdiagnosed all the time, and that's why people end up with Hashimoto's in stage three, because they didn't run antibodies when they had them in the blood eight, nine years prior. So my question is, is it easy to just run a, like you guys keep throwing out, like just run a thyroid panel. It's super easy. Go to direct okay. labs, go to directlabs.com, walkinlab.com. Aside from like New Jersey and a few other states, like maybe three, maybe you can't order a kit to those. Um, but you can bypass if you want. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, you can do it yourself and order thyroid antibodies, TPO, TG, and anything else you really want. Um, if you want to bypass all the nonsense and the obstacles with the doctor to order it because they won't do it probably it's it's me like pulling teeth and yes. it's a pain in the ass it really is here's a little thing i found justin i wanted to share with you wait yeah. before you do that, why don't they Be <laughs> it's politics why? it's, it's okay. insurance there's you know they don't want to cover it and it doesn't change <laughs> it just, just, just doesn't change their interventions or approach got it okay sorry wait go no. <laughs> No, this is straight from Harvard Health Publishing in 2019. So this is from an MD. When I was doing my research, it said, why not check thyroid T3, T4 to see if the gland is not functioning properly? So they said, we check TSH because almost always just TSH to start. Almost always it means that the thyroid gland is healthy and producing enough thyroid hormone. So research shows them that 99.6 of the time 99.6 percent of those tests performed if the tsh comes back normal they say the person's fine it's totally normal so why would they check the antibodies and just or anything else but justin hit the nail on the head that first off your thyroid can fluctuate like day to day your levels can but two Let's say your TSH is normal and all your others, but your antibodies are maybe a little high in climbing, and you just let that sit. You let that sit. Your body's attacking your own body, and then next thing you know, you're pushing to Hashimoto's. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This can happen in hypothyroidism too, by the way. People have normal TSH, normal T4, T3, 
but they have a high reverse T3, which is stress induced usually. And so like, that's why it's, it's a big problem. And there's an over-reliance on TSH as a whole. And they think of it as the be all end all. Um, and it's, it, it's not helpful to look at in isolation. It needs to be looked at uh, from a wider lens where you look at T4 and T3 and reverse T3 and antibodies, but we're not doing that. That's why so it's- For people listening and they're thinking, all of what you two are saying is really triggering me. Like, yes, I'm hearing, yes, yes, yes. When they go to the doctor, what do they need to ask for? Because if they want more than... Honestly, it's a waste of time to even ask, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> because you, you can ask once, but unless, unless, unless they're like a functional medicine trained physician, right. they're not going to do it. You're just wasting your time. You're going to get frustrated. It's going to stress you out. And then guess what? You're going to be worth, your symptoms are going to get worse because of that. And so it becomes one vicious cycle and then you go to the next doctor, the same thing over and over again. So it's like, you know, talking to a brick wall, honestly, you might, you know, you're getting the same sort of result. Every so what time do they do? You order this on your own and you become your own health advocate. You have to, or you find a uh, doctor, a naturopath, maybe, or somebody who can run labs, you know, those sort of things, obviously. But so if they were to go to a natural path doctor that would do this for them, what test are they asking for? Cause obviously they need to ask for more than just the thyroid. They don't, they don't need to, a naturopath will order the right things. You only okay. need to ask. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And here's what's so crazy, you guys, because I'm going to be a nurse practitioner. I like have this heavy weight on my heart when we're talking about it because I'm like, it's so, and one of my best friends is an endocrinologist, um, an MP, and shout out to her. But it like weighs on me because he's totally right. And it almost is pulling me to get into that field because I, do, I think that we are doing a disservice to so many people and instead of taking care of our patients, we are putting other priorities ahead, you know, other politics ahead of patients. And to me, it just, it again, it weighs on my heart. It's probably ruining my thyroid. It's, it's just sad. And so, again, be your own health advocate. We will link all the sources that Justin's talking about. But, again, Justin is a great source as well because you have a program um, that we're going to get into um, in just a little bit where he really is helping girls with thyroid problems. So that's my little rant. I'm sorry. I'm just like. <laughs> uh, before we get into your program, though, I really want to talk about how the thyroid is connected to every piece of your body, how it plays a part, you know, your liver, your gut. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So speak on that. Like if your thyroid is not working, there's probably other things going on in your body that need some help too. Yeah. This is something that's missed a lot, mostly because of how we've been indoctrinated by medicine to think that it's an isolated thyroid issue. Autoimmune disease is not specifically, or Hashimoto's that is, specifically just a thyroid issue. And in fact, all, all these autoimmune diseases out there are, are pretty much a whole body systemic problem because you can have antibodies that are being made against other tissues without realizing it yet. And you're not tested for it, so you don't know that. But nonetheless, in the case of Hashimoto's, you could have you know, low thyroid output, but what does that affect? Every cell in the body, you know? Digestive enzymes, right? Making stomach acid. You need thyroid hormone to have a, a, a strong gut lining. Leaky gut, right? Liver, you know, detoxification there. Um, making bile, I mean, losing weight, everything. Brain, you know, cognition and all those things. So um, high blood pressure, insulin issues, blood sugar problems. I mean, I see all, all these things. Um, it's usually because of the thyroid not working right. Right. So 
And what's crazy is, you guys, the thyroid is just this tiny little gland that sits right here. I just did my full assessment. It's just this little thing, but it has so much power, has so much power, um, <laughs> like controlling the body. So one thing that Kristen and I both were talking about right before you jumped on is how it plays a role in fertility. And yeah. I know specifically um, – how it does because that's been one of my problems they believe they believed my tsh and i actually believe too um was too high so my tsh was reading while i was on medication at a 3.5 and that is too high um to get pregnant for most people um you want you want it around one so let's talk about how our thyroid could be affecting a lot of our girls that are struggling with infertility. Yeah, it's not uh, uncommon to hear this situation where people have an autoimmune disease, so they don't realize they have it, right? Because again, they haven't been tested appropriately. <laughs> um, it's back to that, but they have Hashimoto's brewing inside and they're making antibodies against um, you know, the thyroid, but it, it could also be, you can be making antibodies against uh, other areas like your ovaries and your reproductive system. And I've actually seen this in, in, in labs with some clients who don't have Hashimoto's, but they're flirting with it. You know, they have antibodies, they have antibodies mm -hmm. for other tissues as well. But nonetheless, I mean, you're dealing with this inflammation in the body. So that alone can disrupt any sort of reproduction. And so we, we know that Hashimoto's can increase the risk for miscarriages and you can have um, uh, oocyte loss, egg loss, premature ovarian failure. Um, it disrupts the maternal tolerance, if you will, and so that's, you know, it's a real thing. And I'll, I'll throw this out there because we need to understand this. But, you know, autism is a big uh, hot topic these days. And yeah, yeah, it's around that carefully. Otherwise, people get really uh, offended. Right. But the reality is this. The reality is this. And the research is showing this that like that starts in the womb. That starts with the mother, mm -hmm. you know. And so we know that unmanaged, mismanaged autoimmune disease can cause, can, I should say, contribute excuse me, correct, contribute to autism. In fact, there's like a two or three fold increased risk for it, um, for develop, having a child with it if the mother has an autoimmune disease oh, or God. unmanaged hypothyroidism even. Yeah. Oh wow. gosh, you guys, I'm but, but, but here, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. One, one thing though, okay. if they, if you have, if you're on thyroid meds yeah. and research has shown this as well, then there's a significantly reduced, significant reduced risk. Okay. But, so meds do matter. It's the thyroid has to be, you know, functioning optimally during during pregnancy however we have to remember that if the antibodies are flowing around those can cross the, the placenta and get mm -hmm. to the fetus and you know that's, right again right. how things can happen right so yeah we definitely want i mean and i like i said i have seen myself the importance of just managing it and you know to get pregnant i do need medication i and i do need medication even when i'm not I would like to get into full remission, and that is my goal in the next year or two to be able to do that and maybe one day not even have to be on medication. But we obviously don't want to knock because medication because you do, you know, need it to get pregnant. Like, I'm going to need that medication. So, um, but again, that's super interesting. But I love that you bring up autism. Yes, it's a hot topic, but we don't care. We want to. <laughs> we want to touch on, we we talk about touch on everything. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. 
I, one thing I loved Justin about the last time you were on with us is you talked about the lifestyle component of these, of PCOS was our conversation last time. So I would love to hear kind of your thoughts on lifestyle changes and how those interact with hyperthyroidism and Hashimoto's. And because we haven't really talked about that yet. We've talked about panels and meds Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, but I would love to hear your side of that in terms of lifestyle changes and what we can do that, you know, doesn't necessarily involve meds and things like that. Yeah. So a lot of people will resort to meds, of course, but supplements and diet changes. That's like the, those are the three main things, the trio, <laughs> trio, the first line approach, um, which are helpful for sure, but they represent the very small piece of the pie in my, my book. And if it worked, then people would have figured it out by now. And they don't because it's much more involved than that. So we have to look at other things. And honestly, I talked about this even recently, but st- uh, stress, relationships, exercise and sleep will do will take you far, uh, much further along than supplements and diet will, in my opinion. And you can get you can get that perfect, right? But if you don't get those sleep, uh, exercise and stress and relationships figured out, you're not going to get very far. So. That, I mean, to keep, I mean, there's more to it than that, of course, but you gotta, you gotta master those areas first, because if your sleep is off, your circadian rhythm's off, you maturate your, um, your immune cells, right? You, you really, uh, modulate your immune system during sleep between like one and 5am. So if you're waking up in the middle of the night and stuff like that, well, it's not helpful and exercise mm-hmm. is huge. Um, opioids, opioids dampen the autoimmune attack and what increases opioids, exercise and healthy relationships. So mm-hmm. You know, you got to think about these things. And so, the, and you gotta, mentioned, gotta, yeah, oh, go ahead. No, go, I was, please. I was just going to say, we got to get the basics figured right. out first before we start checking into like, oh, do I have like, you know, arsenic toxicity and this and that. <laughs> we, we can do all that, but like, you know, we got to think about the, the yeah. base, essential things first. Yeah. You mentioned early in this that, you know, exercise can be a cause of this. So there's obviously a fine line of, extreme exercise versus consistent, healthy exercise that plays into this. Yeah. Or am I making this up? <laughs> um, no, you're not wrong, but it's a double-edged sword. I would right. say exercise, as I say, is a great stress reducer as it is a great stress inducer. And that applies to anybody really. Uh, but I would say if anything, exercise could uh, put somebody down the path if they're doing it or not wrong or doing too much cardio or they're burnt down, they're dieting and they're, you know, it, it can be one of those things that just really wreaks havoc in the, in the gut and other areas too, which can lay the foundation for an autoimmune disease. It's not necessarily going to cause it, but it can be, you know, an antecedent, if you will, something that's yeah. starting to be a part of this bucket that over, over time fills up and then it spills over and then there's stage three autoimmunity. Yeah. Sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I think get- what I love about, oh, no, go it. Just, this is just this. real quick comment. I think yeah. what I love about what you're doing is you're focusing on the whole picture and not just the one thing. And I think even for those that don't have Hashimoto's or don't have hypothyroidism, like we still have to focus on the whole picture, sleep, relationship, exercise, eating, like it's also important. So I just want to shout you out real quick before we move <laughs> on. Like, I just think it's cool. And I think it's something that we can all really learn from and we can all really take a note on even for people that don't have Hashimoto's or don't have these issues. So I just, 
props to you. I just think it's great what you're doing. So, so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I want to get selfish and go a little bit deeper. <laughs> get it, girl. Of course. Um, <laughs> because I have it, but and I do a lot of like the typical stuff. But I, you know, the more research I find that there's so many different things out there, toxins and endocrine disruptors that are hidden that we don't know about. And I'm not going to say this one, I don't think. The triclosan, is that how you say that? Like, triclosan, yeah. Yeah. So, which is in like 76% of commercial soaps. And then, um, I know, right? Fluoride that's in like every toothpaste. And then our teeth, like our fillings. So those are just some of the things that they're saying mm-hmm. can disrupt our thyroid. Um, so I, I want to talk about those things and like the other things that are so hidden that some people wouldn't even, wouldn't even think would be affecting your thyroid. Like our soap. What? Whitney, you're blowing my mind over here. (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, the FDA has kind of, uh, jumped on us, I think some odd years ago. And so what I recall, they, they probably abandoned it, abandoned it in, like liquid soaps maybe, but it, nonetheless, you can still get it and stuff like in mm. cosmetics and gels and stuff. Um, so the easiest way to assess whether the products you're buying have it is to go to the environmental working groups website and have a database for all the stuff and you can see if your products contain it. But, you know, that would be the best thing to do. Yeah. You know, because you can, um, uh, you can find it in, in uh, personal care products Everywhere. easily. Yeah. You know. Everywhere. Like I, one of my, I have a brand, um, they are free. They name the triclosan or however you say it. I'm awful with saying names and things, but they literally say, you know, it's free of that. And I went through all my products and I was like looking for it. But fluoride is one that's really, um, in everything, you know, I feel like every toothpaste and when you go to the dentist, it's just like fluoride, fluoride, fluoride. So I was, I was you know, kind of surprised that that had such a relationship and was such a disruptor for the thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and again, I'm using one now that's without it, but anything else that you, you know, when you're working with patients, you're like, Hey, let's avoid this, avoid that. The one thing, you know, listen, there are a lot of toxins out there and, and we really need to focus on the ones we have both control over. Mm-hmm. Right. Mostly it's in the house. It's not so much outside. We, you can only do so much there. Air pollution, you know, things like that we could talk about. But yeah, I mean, right. um, but specifically for the, for the thyroid, BPA, um, bisphenol A is the one thing that I really hammer home with, with clients because it's in plastic. It's a thermal receipt paper. It's on your coffee lid, you know, when you go to Starbucks, you know, it's mm-hmm. Tupperware. So we know that, that BPA is a big issue. Uh, blocks thyroid receptor sites. It's a, it's uh, it looks like your thyroid too. So if your antibiotics get a hold of it, they can be like, "Ooh, this looks like my thyroid. Let's go attack that too." Oh so, and that mechanism applies in a lot of the situations. By the way, the molecular mimicry, as I call yeah. it. So, um, the BPA is one thing that we can modify with our purchases. I think you know, yeah. just uh, yeah. be aware of that. Anti BPA. Speaking of molecular mimicry, <laughs> um, it's a great segue into diet related to Hashimoto's because molecular Mm -hmm. mimicry is something I've talked about um, before. And I think for you, I don't know if maybe my thyroid, well, I guess I had symptoms. I don't know. But for a while I thought maybe it's because I was gluten-free and dairy-free for so many years that was helping my Hashimoto's, my symptoms or whatever. But let's talk about molecular mimicry and kind of diet related to Hashimoto's for people who have no idea 
what that even is. Right. So um, there, are, we know that gluten is the one uh, <laughs> the one problem that pretty much is an issue with everybody uh, with an autoimmune disease. I would say not just Hashimoto's. Dairy would be the second one, second uh, provocative food. That's because, and the research has shown this, I mean, um, casein and dairy can look like your cerebellum in your brain. So if you get antibodies attacking that, well, maybe you've, you've antibodies attacking your brain. And that's also hmm, more than just a thyroid now, isn't it? So you see what I'm saying? Like, this is mm-hmm. why it's more than just, oh, where does brain fog come from and all these issues, cognitive? Yeah, maybe that's why, part of the reason why, you know? So there's that, there's soy, that's um, usually a big no-no because that stops, uh, blocks the conversion of T4, T3, damages your gut, it uh, inhibits breakdown of proteins, you can't digest food very well, it's gonna be an issue as well. Um, what else? Nightshades or lectins or hit or miss, uh, everyone's different. No one has issues with all these things. Some people, my experience, a lot of people can handle lectins and nightshades, some can't though. Um, so, uh, we have to think about this stuff, but it's all personal. Um, the one thing I'll say, and this is sort of uh, newer things I've discovered with research that, that kind of came out recently, I think, <clears throat> is that um, you know the AIP diet is the, the go-to for a lot of people. It's like, okay, you know, we just follow this diet and you know, it'll be good in 90 days and reintroduce foods again. And, and then what happens? Nothing really changes because mm-hmm. guess what? The immune system doesn't change in 90 days. It doesn't happen that fast. <laughs> you don't heal the gut in 90 days either. So um, I get it, it's helpful for sure, but people don't understand that um, they could be me- making antibodies towards these AIP-friendly foods. And the data has shown this, um, where you could be reacting to salmon or tuna or swordfish. Those are AIP-friendly, right? You know? So and, I feel like and, you're just like, because this is everywhere online. It is. And I, I'm, I talk a lot about everywhere how, how there are major shortcomings with it because yeah. of the fact that um these foods can look like your t4 and t3 and and so um <laughs> you could be inadvertently eating foods that are a problem and avoiding foods that are not a problem right. and this is why food testing is a uh, an issue because there are a lot of flaws with it and the accuracy and people are running these labs and i'm like there's no there's no this is not reliable and the fda has even said this for somebody's the way it's been tested. So the ALCAD, MRT, those are the um, LRA, those are the ones that are not reliable. You could take it test today and then do it next week and have completely different results. And then you're following that to guide your diet. And then, well, guess what? Maybe you're eating foods that are healthy again or not. So, And then you have Instagram influencers who are telling you that in 90 days you'll feel better. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's everywhere though. Right, I know. So wow. what do you suggest so for your patients diet-wise? Honestly, the, I, I spent about two minutes talking about it. I'll say, mm-hmm. hey, take out gluten and dairy and let's just start there and maybe do nothing else. In my experience, I don't have to do much else usually because yeah. wow. you build up their immune system because that's mm-hmm. what's dysfunctional. The food isn't a problem. It's a problem because of the immune system, right? So yep. it's a secondary issue. Yeah. So once we work on building resilience of the immunity, right? Right. It's a lot of avoidance, not enough resilience. See that problem yeah. there, the imbalance? So once we do both, you know, because AIP diet, it's just resili- uh, avoidance. We need also simultaneous to build resilience. So once we do that, then I find that, well, they can tolerate foods better in the end. Maybe not everything. Gluten is still going to be an issue, maybe dairy, but 
you know, all the other random foods they couldn't tolerate eggs and, you know, onion and kiwi and whatever else, mm-hmm. then they can start to tolerate it again. Yeah. Um, so I oh, started with, I, I started with taking away mostly yeah, soy, gluten and dairy. Um, and by that, I mean, like remove gluten, like hard, because it is an issue. But you know, you're gonna eat dairy even now and then and gluten now and then don't beat yourself up over it. But just be aware that, you know, it's yeah. got to be a lifestyle change. I honestly, right here, like, that is what I did about 15 years ago. I mean, gluten out 100%, and I noticed a huge difference. Dairy, I cut out of my diet for a couple years, like, completely. I was very strict. And now I can add dairy in. I don't really have a problem. But I agree. I think that it's like people – it's so weird. This is my experience. People are so much more willing to, like – join a fad like an api diet instead of and they're all on board but if you say cut out gluten or just dairy i feel like if you just say gluten for some reason people are so like i could never do that but once you get on a bandwagon of like an a a diet then it's like people are more willing i don't know maybe that's just me and maybe i've had so much hate towards me on the fact that i'm (laughs) gluten-free like i was gluten-free when it was not cool um but yeah, it's so interesting. So I, I definitely agree with you that jumping on an API diet or just some fancy diet is not necessarily going to be the end-all be-all and fix everything. Here's here's the overarching message I want to say to people because um, this is really what's important here about diet is that your, your immune system does not give a shit about what you think is healthy or not. It doesn't. It will right. tolerate what it decides to tolerate and what it doesn't want to tolerate. So right. if you go against that in your own these signals you're receiving, then you're going to struggle because, right. you, you know, right. Think about Whitney, that. I think the answer to your question is it's easier to be like, okay, someone just tell me a hundred percent what I have to do. Yes. No, yes. No. Instead of gluten, because that puts the onus on that person of like, wait, I can't go out to eat and have pizza or like, wait, what about those chips? Like that's harder. But if you just say, no, you can't eat chips. No, you can't eat pizza. No, you can't eat water like so much easier you know like much rather have someone just say yes no yes no than like yeah i have to do my own research on what's gluten and is it in the products i'm buying at the store but they'd much rather be like no you just can't buy those chips at the store not telling you why you can or can't but like (laughs) i think that's why so many people and i i like can reference people in my own life that i've seen do these yo-yo diets when i'm like once you put the onus on them, like make good decisions for yourself because they're good for you instead of just yes and no, that's when you start to see changes, I think, for people. Yeah. But yeah. it's some people, it's just easier to be like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Great. And it never works for them. And they, they flip flop and they go back and forth all the time and it never works. But I think that's, in my yeah. opinion, experience why people flock to those type of diets I so much. I think you're easier. correct. <laughs> so, I think which is not a good thing, but <laughs> easier for some people, you know? Well, let's jump into your thyroid revive program a little bit. Um, I I just kind of want you to break down. I know online I was reading you have like four steps or you talk about mm-hmm. four different things. And then I'm just curious kind of like what a timeline looks like for a Hashimoto's patient <clears throat> who comes to you. Yeah. Well, the one thing I say is that uh, if it took you a while to get here, it's going to take you a while to get out. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's just you got to be aware of that and be patient. Uh, and so having expectations of, okay, I need to be in remission by August 14th of this year is you're not going to get there. You're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> so we need to not do that. Um, and I think it's one of the issues I 
have found with my clients who've seen a lot of doctors is they follow this protocol and if they do that, then they are assuming or they uh, feel like they're gonna get the results they want by this point in time, you know, X, X date. And that's, we can't do that. We just create our own suffering by doing that. Um, so it's not, I, I tell people, it's not a matter of if you get a result, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of only when, but again, assuming you show up and do the work, right? So um, how long? Yeah, it depends. So if I, have, if I have women who've been diagnosed and had Hashimoto's for a year or two, they, they can get out pretty quick, like a couple months. I've had people in three months, four months even, um, you know, they just showed up and did the work. You know, my process is very quick in a way. It's not like, hey, we do, you know, we do some adjustments here and we check in two, eight weeks from now, <laughs> you know? Right. So there is that element of it, but yeah, I mean, your own participation in the journey is important. That's going to help. That's going to dictate whether you get success faster than others. Um, and, but yeah, if you're, if you have like, you know, multiple autoimmune diseases with you know, Hashimoto's polyautoimmunity, which is a common thing, you PCOS with it, you have lupus or MS with it, and you've been dealing for 20 years, which I have clients to have that, then yeah, it's not going to be three months. Sorry. It's going to be right. six months, maybe to a year. Um, and it's just because you have a lot of unburdening that needs to be done. You know, it means it's very right. fired up and it's got to chill. So right. I feel like uh, you're selling yourself short though, because if you told me that I had had a disease for 20 years and you're going to work <laughs> diligent with me for six months to a year, that doesn't seem long at all to be like, I could potentially come out of this. Like that's huge. So I feel like, you know, three weeks that or three months that is short, but don't tell yourself yeah. short. That's like amazing. That it is. like you said sounds amazing to me. Like for people that have really with for a long time. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. Um, so wow. when, when you're working with a patient though, are you seeing, are they being tested regularly? I'm just curious for my, maybe myself again. Um, <laughs> are they, but are they being tested regularly kind of looking at the levels? And then obviously if patients are on medication, they're having to, in a sense, be weaned down. Is that right? Or like how, I don't know. I'm curious how it works. Maybe, uh, the meds, I don't. It's not my, my, my role. Right, you know, but so they, I mean, you're working but, with an endocrinologist yeah. or somebody has to be looking at those levels, right? Yeah, so we'll look at the labs, what they are in the first place. Um, like, I have a client who's uh, in the Middle East, right? And she's got antibodies tested and you know when we first started, and she showed me them, like, uh, two weeks ago. And they, like, cut in half. So but that's, like, kind of, like, how I look at it. And I'm not, I'm not caught up in the T4 and T3 stuff because that's going to change. It's indicative of your meds and really how they're working. Um, and, and, and again, this is why labs are imper imperfect because you can have normal, healthy blood labs with T4 and T3, but you have, but you still feel like garbage because it's not getting into the cell because of inflammation and they call it functional hypothyroidism. So labs are not a pure accurate reflection of really what's happening, which is why, why would I look at it when it's not really going to change what I do? So same with TSH, it's really antibodies, but again, here's, I'm gonna tell you another surprising thing. T antibodies are not the be all end all either because they aren't the ones that are causing the problem. Your, your T cells are doing the damage. They are simply the guys saying, hey, we have this problem over here. Like we tell the army to attack it. You could have high antibodies or out of normal range antibodies and still be in remission and vice versa. You could have, you could have, you know, uh, you could have, um, what I say, you could have high antibodies and be in remission and you could have lower antibodies and have, and, and you know, it's not bad. It's like in the hundred range maybe, and they could be so symptomatic, 
So we can't look at it in isolation like that. We have to look at it with your symptoms and how you're doing. Your symptoms right. tell me more about your progress in labs, by the way. Yeah. That's how right. that's why I care about. Right. So I'll look at labs, but I'll you don't spend very much time on it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why <laughs> for it's... that for the thyroid panel, that is. That's yeah. yeah. This is why it's so tricky though. This is why like again, my my brain goes more labs. Like totally get what you're saying. I'm curious to like look at where the numbers are if they're on meds and stuff like that. But again, you are right in the sense of, you know, the antibodies don't necessarily fit necessarily the symptoms of, of the patient. Yeah. There's always going to change, which is why it creates more stress. I find for people and they have anxiety mm-hmm. and, and angst and stuff. But yeah. then they check every two or three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just let your body just chill. Stop looking at mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Man, that's what I need. I'm like, I'm such a stress ball. <laughs> I think that's like one of the biggest issues for me my whole life. We talked about on the PCOS. I'm such a just dress mess. So, <laughs> no, for reals. Yeah, we um, are. I feel like there's so much that we could cover. We didn't even get into like hyperthyroidism. That's like a whole nother podcast getting into, yeah. into that. But thank you for coming on and talking specifically thyroid and where can our listeners find you? We will link everything too. Yeah, of course. Um, well, the autoimmunerevolution.com is the home base, but uh, if you go to the Thyroid Revive tab or go to the autoimmunerevolution.com slash thyroid, that's where you can find um, uh, the program for Hashimoto's that, I have, that we have um, and explains kind of my whole philosophy on this and what I do and how we work and stuff like that. But um yeah, that or Instagram, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's just and if you, my, yeah, and if you didn't check him out before, make sure to check him out on our last episode of TGL where he talked everything PCOS. You're just, you're amazing. So we appreciate you breaking everything down for us and giving our listeners kind of an inside look. Now, my pleasure. Fun as always. Thank you so much.